Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and to eradicate racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC, and I'm so delighted that you have joined me this morning. And I am just bursting with joy this morning because the uh, Brittany Griner has been released. And what a wonderful, wonderful way to start the day. And I am just so grateful to uh, the sacred, the universe, uh, my God, who, who I define as my sacred source and the Biden administration for all they have done in order to uh, ensure that Brittany is home, 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 home where she should be. And we are continuing to lift up Paul Whelan as well. We have not forgotten about him. And we know that there are many people who are held captive every single day in various ways. And so we just want to be mindful that we're doing the best that we can to help those who are around us, who may feel like they're in captivity as well. But we also want to make sure that we're doing our part when something happens at the national level as well to ensure that we get our uh, folks back home to us. And so we're just really grateful, grateful for all the love, the energy, the prayers, and all the hard work that went into Brittany Griner returning home to her wife and to her family. I hope that their reunion will be a joyous one. And we know we know that there will still be a need for prayer and good wishes and vibes to go out towards that family because I'm sure that there's a lot of healing that needs to take place. And we continue as well to be mindful of what needs to happen in this country in order to ensure that things like this do not happen and that people move with expedience to get folks back home once these things occur because we know that um, they occur far too often. And so again, we want to continue to do what we need to do as well to ensure that Paul Whelan returns home to his family. We're going to begin the show as we always do by just taking a moment to ground ourselves and the conversation that we are going to have today. So I want to invite you, if you can and you are able to, to simply close your eyes and to connect with your feet on the floor. And if you are sitting, just feel your body sinking into your chair or your couch, recognizing that it is a foundation for you. And then connect with your breath and simply begin to breathe in and out. Connecting with your greatness, connecting with your divine wisdom, your sacred intelligence that helps you to make choices that will not only manifest your greatness, but the greatness of others. So as you breathe in and out, take a moment to offer gratitude. Gratitude for the release of Brittany Griner. Gratitude that she can be joined with her family during this holiday season. And gratitude for the continued work that will be done to release Paul Whelan. But breathe in and out, giving thanks for the work that you are doing to dismantle racism and to ensure racial equity and to fight for social justice. Breathe in and out, giving thanks for all who came before you, pointing the way, showing you the way. Breathe in and out, giving thanks for those who are coming behind you, who are depending on you, who are looking at you to lead the way. Be thankful for them. And to be thankful for the tenacity that our young people have to change this world. So breathe in 
and out. Breathe in and out, knowing that each breath connects you with the other. Whoever the other is for you, whoever it is that you fight for or that you see differently, your breath connects you because we are all one. We are them and they are us. So breathe in and out, connecting with your power and knowing that you have the creativity, the ability, the skills, the power, the confidence, the commitment to change the status quo. And you do not walk this journey alone. Breathe in and out, recognizing that the power of one contributes to the power of community. And if we band together, we cannot fail. Breathe in and out. And in gratitude, we say, and so it is, Ashe and Amen. I am so delighted today to welcome to the show, Gina Duquesne. And I want to just say a little bit before I tell you her bio, is I want to just share with you that we focused a lot on George Floyd, as well we should. But there are others who have been murdered since George Floyd. On November 23rd, 2020, Aiden Ellison was murdered by Robert Keegan, a white man who shot him for playing his music too loud in a hotel parking lot. We probably heard a little bit about Aiden's murder, but of course it did not get the national attention that George Floyd's murder got. But nevertheless, it is just as important. And day in and day out, black and brown bodies are murdered, abused, held in captivity, or even just the day-to-day -day racial inequities that occur. This is why we do the Dismantle Racism Show. This is why we are fighting for social justice. It does not end just because the news dies down. And what happened in Ashland, our guest today, who is Councilwoman Gina Duquesne, has been working with the Ashland community to help them not just to remember Aiden's murder, but to say, what changes will we make in our town because it shook the residents. There are often times in life that we walk around and we are living in a bubble and we think that life is just per perfect. That would never happen in our town. It could happen anywhere, anytime. So Aiden's murder is a painful reminder to us of the value that's placed on black and brown bodies. So Councilwoman Gina Duquesne is here today. We are going to talk about uh, Aiden's murder. We're going to talk about so much more, though, because she is the first openly queer Black woman to be elected in Southern Oregon. You would think in 2020 that there would no longer be these first that are occurring, but they are still occurring. And I want to tell you that she has been really, really active 
in Ashland. She created the Southern Oregon Pride Festival. She has served on many nonprofit boards, the Children Advocacy Center, the Addiction Recovery Center, Ashland Rotary, and the Martin Luther King Committee. She has in her bio something that I think is really, really important. And I share this with you. She is third generation removed from enslavement. Her great-grandmother is her shero. And she says that her values, her passion for civil rights, equity for all people and the environments are lessons that she will never forget from her grandmother. I want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you to the show, Councilwoman Gina Duquesne, uh, my new friend. It seems like every time I meet someone, we just we're engaged in this struggle together. So we quickly become friends. And so I want to just welcome you to the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Dr. TLC. It is uh, my pleasure, my honor to be here. When we met, we instantly connected and uh, the common ground is there. Mm. You know, like you said, we are in this struggle together. Yes. And um, it, it, there is definitely a struggle out there. And you would believe that, you know, we're approaching 2023. Mm. Yet here we are. Yes. Yes. And, and, and it's unfathomable, really. And, um, Lots of people are waking up to things that you and I have known for all our lives. I just want to go back a little bit to just say how we met. We we actually only just met uh, maybe two weeks ago, two, yeah. maybe, maybe three weeks ago at the most. And uh, what was really interesting, we, we met when I came out to discuss my book, Dismantling Racism. And I was really amazed with the city of, of Ashland, or it, particularly the group of people that got us together two days before we celebrated what I call Day of Gratitude, everybody else calls Thanksgiving Day, um, but or Day of Mourning, other people call it as well, right? Because I want to acknowledge that. Um, that is not a, a Thanksgiving day per se for First Nation people. It's a day of mourning for many of them. And so we met at this talk and I was amazed that in Ashland, that 75 people came out to talk mm -hmm. about race. Mm -hmm. And they're coming out to talk about this before Thanksgiving. And to me, I think that that shows that there are people who are really, really interested in doing this work and they want to know how. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, Aiden's murder and what the reaction was from the people of Ashland in, in their early stages. And I, and I want to say this because I'm sure we'll have to cut to break really soon, but we'll begin the conversation now. Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, the aftermath of that? Yes. Well, something that you touched on, which was so relevant and real, is that um, people think not in my town. This mm -hmm. doesn't happen in Ashland. Ashland is a sweet little bubble. You know, everybody loves, gets along, not in my town. Well, it does happen. Mm. And Aiden's murder was such a shock to, to me. You know, 2020 was a year of reckoning. It was so many things were going on that year. And for Aiden to have been murdered right here in our backyard, it was mind-blowing. And the initial reaction from people was I, I didn't see the big outpour, the outcry, the, the allies. I didn't see a lot of people who were not of color. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that. And normally in Ashland, like you said, the 75 people showed up at the drop of a hat to come and hear you speak and hear about your book, Dismantling Racism. People are hungry in Ashland and they want to learn and they want to know. And Aiden's murder happens. And where so, is So why, why did you think they didn't show up for that? Because, you know, there was this big outcry for about George Floyd 
And now this is right here in the town. And I want to just say that for anybody who's listening, if you want to just uh, put a question in, because we're live on on YouTube, we're live on the air. If you put a comment in on the YouTube page, we'll be sure to answer it because there are people, I'm sure, who are listening from Ashland, even though it's very early in the morning, there are people who are listening. I'd love to know why didn't people show up? Why wasn't there an outpour? So tell me your impressions of that. It was, it was as if, you know, we have the support of our white allies, but when it happens in your backyard, oh my goodness, nobody knew what to do. So a lot of people really didn't do anything. Mm. It was, it was a sense of what do I do? What do I say? I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. Rather than to overthink it, just show up and be there. Amen. Amen. And I so appreciate you saying that because that's one of the things I tell people all the time. You're going to make a mistake. So just go out there and do it. Because for us as people of color, it feels like we're devalued when you don't show up. And I have to say, Gina, that's one of the reasons why I tell people, particularly when I'm teaching like my courses, this is a consistent process for you to do this. You can't just be interested in dismantling racism and not continue the journey. You need to know what to do before Aiden Ellison or George Floyd or Michael Brown or Trayvon Martin is killed. If you don't engage into in the process day to day, you won't know what to do. But if you consistently and persistently engage in this work, you will know what to do. And sometimes knowing what to do is just showing up, being silent, holding a hand, giving a hug, all of that. But we do have to take a break. And when we come back, I want you to, you know, just to continue to tell us what has happened since then. And maybe you can tell us actually what happened. Because for some people, they've never heard of Aiden Ellison. So I'd like you to share a little bit about that. We are going to be right back with the Dismantle Racism Show. Again, if you have questions or comments, you can go to the, the YouTube Live and put your comments there, your questions there. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you can go to my Facebook page, pop a question in there, and we will try to cover it on the show as well. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. My guest today is Councilwoman Gina Duquesne. Gina, before the break, we were talking about the murder of Aidan Ellison. Can you tell us what happened on that night of November 23rd? Actually, it was um, in the early morning hours of the 23rd. Aiden Ellison, um, as well as Mr. Keegan, um, had been displaced because of the Alameda fire that we had here in, in Talent in Ashland, Oregon. So they were uh, staying at a local hotel right here in town. And Aiden, 19 years old, like so many 19-year-olds, sitting in their car early morning, blasting the radio. I mean, like we all do, I do it too. And um, this man, Mr. Keegan came out and had words with Aiden. And then after that, I wasn't there. I don't know what they said. Uh, Mr. Keegan left, went back into the hotel, walked down the hall, went back into his guest room, got his loaded gun, came out down the hall, out of the hotel, into the parking lot, and shot and killed Aiden Ellison. Mm. He mm. will go on trial on February 24th of 2023. And uh, I, I look forward to being there and I look for the support of uh, our community and allies to be there. Aiden's life was taken before it even started and something that I must say is that after this, and you know, like we touched on earlier with 2020 and so many deaths in 2020, I think that a lot of people didn't know what to do. So mm. they kind of didn't do anything. Mm. And now people are coming forward. People are asking questions. I was asked, you know, Gina, how does this make you feel after the murder of George Floyd? Well, I take this personal. I'm a mother. I'm a black woman. I have a son. I have two grandsons. Mm -hmm. I take this personal. Mm -hmm. And so as, as I think we all should. So when Aiden was killed here, I believe it just really, it ripped the bandaid off. It let everybody see this is real. It happens on a daily basis. And if we are who we say we want to be and aspire to be, like you touched on earlier, Reverend Dr. TLC, is that we need to do this daily. And it's a practice. It's exactly. a practice. And mm -hmm. if you practice anti-racism and you're mindful, then we can find common ground. Exactly. And, and here's what's so interesting to me. So um, when we talk about not knowing what to do, you have to do something. Right. If if there's a burning, if there's a person in a burning building, you don't just stand there and watch the building burn. You do something right. Even if that's call the fire department, you're actively doing something. And and, and the same thing is happening here. We are being murdered. We are being abused. We're being like uh, you name it. But here's what's interesting. So Gina is definitely a go-getter and she listens very carefully because at the, at the book talk, I read a story from my book called I Don't Get to Opt Out. And I told a story about my kids, which I will not tell on air. If you haven't read it, go get the book, read it. But here's what Gina did. The next night there was a vigil for Aiden and Gina simply looks at me and she said, I, I want you to come and speak, right? I don't know if those were your exact words, but it basically it was like, you come speak at this vigil. <laughs> so here I am an outsider to Ashland and you're inviting me to come in to do this. Now, my answer could have been no. I'm here visiting. I'm here for X, Y, and Z. But my answer was yes. And, and the... Um, the, the beautiful soul who was hosting me asked me how I felt about that. And I said, I have to not just talk the talk. I have to walk the walk. So if I had said no, what kind of social justice advocate would I have been? Just because I hadn't prepared for that moment in terms of, I didn't have a prepared speech at the moment that you turned to me in this way and said, 
I, I think you did it publicly. I'm not sure, but it was definitely while things were going on. Um, but but who would I be? And I think your question or your comment about whether Ashlyn is who it believes itself to be, we all have this thought in our heads about who we think we are. Mm -hmm. It's when the rubber meets the road mm -hmm. that we get to see, are we actually that person? And so just like I didn't have a prepared speech, I prepared one. Right now, granted, I've been doing this a lot longer and I get that. I don't expect everybody to do what I do. But I always quote Arthur Ashe, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be on the city council. You don't have to have a radio show. You know, it's whatever you can do to dismantle racism. So what are your hopes for the city of Ashland, because I want to just tell you, we didn't get a chance to really wrap up before I left. I ran into a lot of people, both people of color and white people after that. Mm -hmm. And there were lots of people who wanted to talk about race. And there were lots of things that people of color shared with me about Ashland that I'm quite sure that white people who live in Ashland are not aware of. They're not aware of these day-to-day -day experiences. And some of them were pretty serious experiences. So what are your hopes? My hopes is it's a great question because, you know, the short time when you were here and you were bombarded with so many questions from black, white people, um, to me, that's, that's a healthy place to be. Mm -hmm. That curious question. And since I have been here, I have never lived anywhere in my life where white people were so curious, sincerely, honestly curious about our culture and wanting to know who we are. And for me, that's a good place to be. So mm -hmm. my aspirations are to, when you were here, the 75 people, we're going to grow this. We're mm -hmm. going to grow this conversation. We're going to have the diverse audience. We're going to have um, indigenous people and black and brown and white people come because if we don't have that conversation, mm. then nobody will know. That's like right. I said right. earlier, so many white people are clueless to, to the day to day things that happen. However, now that I have, I've seen book clubs sprout out, you know, and so many equity and, and social justice and racial justice groups. Mm. We have Peace House, we have book groups, we mm. have members for equity, it's, it's it, um, OSF, uh, that's Oregon um, Shakespeare Festival. So we have so many different groups. My hope is to bring all these groups together. Yes, yes. Collaborate. Right, right. And I know we do have to take a quick break. And I just want to give kudos, though, to the people who put together the talk, because that happened in the span of three weeks. And I and I need to say this because I want our listeners to know it's not about having weeks and weeks and weeks of planning time to do this. It's not about knowing exactly every little piece that needs to happen. Sometimes it's about trusting the process and trusting spirit, your sacred intelligence to your divine wisdom to lead the way. This group of women who put this thing together and, and they did so simply by contacting the people they knew. This wasn't even something that was blasted publicly. And 75 people showed up. I want our listeners to really hear that. There's a lot of power in being able to come together with like-minded people and say, what are we going to do? And then doing it. So I, I thank them um, while I was there, but I also want to thank them publicly for just taking this initiative and uh, really, really... Um, just saying, I'm going to make a difference. And, and I especially want to thank Hillary Larson. I don't know if she is listening. She's been on the show before, but she really is the person who helped to get this thing going. And so I want to thank her and all the people who said, we're going to be fighting for racial 
equity in the town of Ashland. So we have to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with Counselor uh, Duquesne this morning, and I want to thank you again because I know it's early morning out there in Oregon. I thank you for joining us. I want to shift, if we could, the conversation a little bit. Um, You are the first openly Black queer woman to be elected. And talk to me a little bit about, you know, you check the box for three things. As, as I check the box for two, and I know what comes to mind when I initially identify myself, I, I think about my Blackness even before I think about being a, a woman. And so you check the box, being queer, Black, you know, woman. And I know you've been asked this question, just as I have, What what comes up for you the most? What do you... I know you can't separate yourself, mm-hmm. but when you're thinking about who you are and your perspective and how you see the world, what do you think stands out for you? I do. I check the three boxes, Black, woman, queer. And I have been asked that question. And, you know, so how do you identify, Gina? How do people see you? When people see me, the first thing they see is black. Mm. They see a woman, then they get to know me and they see a queer woman. I identify myself with the way people see me. Mm. Mm. You know, this is the first thing that, and then for me as, as a person, it goes deeper because, you know, the way people see me is not really who I am inside of me, That's you know? I know who I am, but other people, your, your reputation is who people think you are. Mm-hmm. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. However, when you see me, you see a black woman. And sometimes, you know, when people see a black person, I could be on the phone talking to someone at my job and we're getting ready to seal the deal and sign the contract. And they come to the office and they see me mm. and many occasions I've come down the stairs the same time my colleague has and they go to her yeah. and I'm like, no, I'm Gina. Mm-hmm. And then we get that look, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but you know, look. you know, so this is interesting, right? Because um, 
this is the hard part of when we're teaching people about oppression and and being marginalized. Because sometimes when I'm teaching, people want to say, yes, but I've been mistreated as well. I get that. And I understand that. But your skin color is not the thing, not the reason why you're mistreated. And people can assume anything they want to about you, whether they know it or not. They can assume that you're a queer woman, but they don't know it unless you tell them, right? Or unless they see something else, but they see that you're a Black woman. And so what, I, what I'm wondering, so, you know, you're, you're in this position as a queer Black woman, and then you decide that you are going to start the first uh, Pride or Southern Oregon Pride Festival. Talk to me a little bit about that and why that was important in the fight even for uh, racial and social justice? Well, honestly, um, so pride, Southern Oregon pride came first and then council came second. It, I am the type of person, if I see a need, I will be of service in any way I can. Mm -hmm. And at that time, this year, we celebrated 12 years of the So Pride Parade, Southern Oregon Pride Parade. Uh, two years we were, thank you, thank you. Two years, of course, you know, pandemic, nothing happened. Um, <clears throat> but in celebrating our parade, I saw there was a need. There, There's queer people here. We're everywhere. Mm -hmm. And to go to council and to say, you know, hey, this is what we need to do in our town. This is something that's needed. And honestly, Reverend Dr. TLC, it was it was really funny how people were afraid. Hmm. If you don't know, you have fear. They never had a queer parade. <clears throat> I don't even think they really had, you know, we're here, but being out and loud about it, people mm. weren't really ready for that. Mm. So um I, I saw the need and I thought, hey, let's do this. So I gathered a friend of mine who was very aware about what's happening when it comes to social media. And I had this idea and she put it out there and good things happen and continue to happen. And we have people come from all over Oregon and Northern California because we are on the southernmost tip of Oregon. So yeah. we are right here and we had people come and it was wonderful. People mm. who said they'd never been to a pride parade before. Mm. And I'm like, what is that? How, you know, how can people... Well, how can they never go to a pride yeah. parade, right? But you know what's interesting? You talk about this word fear. It's just like people fear, folks of yeah. color, people fear what they don't know and why. We're, we're all human so what is what what is this fear thing going on it's about getting to know people but what i'm also hearing in your conversation is this idea of yes we know you're here but we don't want you to be all loud about it and we we want you to stay invisible because that was a part of what i felt like was happening even with the people of color that they're they're sort of like invisible in the town, right? I wonder if you could share with me, because this is a conversation that I, I most often have with people, uh, particularly, uh, I had this conversation with a woman once when we were talking about racial equity. And she said, well, really what I'm more, not more concerned about, she says, well, my fight right now is around trans issues because her child uh, is trans. And she said, and so that's really where my focus is. And I said, yes, I get that. And I understand that. But when we are talking about racial equity, we're really looking at the intersectionality. So can you share with me a little bit of what are some of the things that you are noticing? So even within the LGBTQIA community, what are you noticing in terms of just the racial inequities? Well, first off, in the in the uh, trans community, the number of black and brown trans women that are murdered, it is out of control. And that is fear. Mm -hmm. That is fear. And, and it's out of control. 
people are the, the ignorance is there the rhetoric is there everything that comes down from um from legislature from the federal from the feds from religion there is so much rhetoric and so many myths out there and untruths about my community mm. trans people are just like every other person mm -hmm. and the fear is there so if the fear is there i gotta shut it down i gotta quiet it down and any type of any type of invisible isn't good mm. you know you can't mm. take black people and put us in the back you can't take queer people and put us in the back you know we are still fighting for you know when you said how do i identify black woman queer you know black people are still in chains mm. women don't have equal rights mm. Queer people don't have human rights. All of these are human rights. Right. And right. the culture that we live in right now, they're being chipped away. Mm. And if we are not loud and if we are not visible and we are not saying who we are, this will continue. And, and you mentioned something. Uh, I, I just wanted, because I want you to be sure to say this to the audience, because when we were talking, you mentioned that there were over 300 and something laws on the book that are anti-LGBTQIA. Is that correct? That is correct. That is what's happening right now. It, it started um, four years ago and things are building up. Uh, shall I say three years ago? And things are building up against us. And the Supreme Court has changed. Mm. You know, it's changed. It's so different now. And mm -hmm. so that is my prayer, you know, the prayers and the good vibes that you mentioned at the top of the show. These are something we have to hold on to our prayers and our good vibes, and we have to show up because we can march and we can protest. But something that I, I hope everyone will do is create an email and send that email once a week. It could be the same email to the federal level, the state level and the local level we are not going to stand for this. Mm. So when we come back, I want to talk about that a little bit more, like the effectiveness of those uh, emails. And I just want to point out, even as it relates to the LGBTQIA community, there are, there are little things that we all can do. And you talk about this fear, get educated on the LGBTQIA community, particularly the trans community, which I think is different, you know, even from saying I'm lesbian uh, or gay, it's there's a difference and get educated. Let people know that you are concerned. The other things that we can do, there there's simple things we can do. When you go to your doctor's office and it simply says male or female, ask them, why don't you have some uh, something else on here? Mm -hmm. You know, there are other options. Start talking, start being, you know, vocal about things. We're rebuilding our church after it's, um, you know, was burned down as a result of a hate crime. And so we, I was talking with the, the uh, OPM the other day, and we were looking at some remodeling with the bathrooms and what we're going to do and blah, blah, blah. And he says, you know, so there'll be the women's restroom and there'll be the uh, men's restroom and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, quite frankly, they should be uh, just non-gender conforming. Like it, like it should be all gender bathroom. That's what we're going to do because we're not doing this man, you know. Now I might have some other reasons why I might want men to go to another restroom, but it has nothing to do with, um, you know, who they identify with. I think that we all have to start thinking differently. And we can't think differently if we don't immerse ourselves into understanding the other, whoever the other is. So if you think about something like the restroom, we don't want to force people to have to choose. A friend of mine told me the other day that their child, if it only says male or female, will not go. Mm -hmm. Will not go at all. That's a horrible way to be because we all know what it feels like. If we have to go and we can't go. Just call it restroom. Exactly. Exactly. Right? So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back to have our last segment. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest, Counselor Duquesne. Uh, before the break, you mentioned these laws that are on the books that are anti-LGBTQIA, and you talked about writing an email letter. Um, talk to us about the effectiveness of writing, because I think sometimes people don't understand the power that comes. And you mentioned, even if it's the same email, how does right. that impact politicians? That's right. You know, even on a local level, my emails get flooded with so many people, their opinions, their expressions. And what we forget is it is more power to the people, all the people. We have the power. Ashland is not made up or made up of the people at City Hall or the people who are in local government or state or federal government. It is the people who make the world. We can march, but the writing and the emails, that is the follow-up. Mm -hmm. That is continuously in your face. We are not gonna stand for this. And when we have the follow-up, that's how things get done. I'm gonna mm -hmm. go back a little bit to Aiden. When Aiden got murdered, students, young people from Ashland High School came together truth to power and painted that mural for Aiden and went through the legalities and the hoops to make that happen. Young people, they followed up. When I think about the, the racism that's out there in the world, how do we fight against that, that fight? We have to have the follow-up. So the, the marching, the emails, all of it, mm. because we are not gonna stand for this anymore. The people make America, not the people that are sitting in the White House or sitting in your city hall. You, mm. the people do this. We make it. So more power to the people. And I say, speak up, speak out and make great things happen. Oh, I so appreciate you just saying it takes more than just being out there in the streets to do this. So with the email, because I, I want to focus on this a little bit, because I know one of the things that we did in our church was we, well, truth be told, I got the email from, from somebody else, my, my sister, she was writing her letter. And um, I said, hey, can we use this email? And I just sent it to every person in my congregation. And I said, you need to sign this and you send it to um, you know, your state representatives, your senators and all of that. And it was around gun control. And so um, 
does it matter whether it's the same email from a group of people if you're sending it out individually as opposed to just collectively writing it? It doesn't. As long as it hits that email box, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. And it can be the same email. It can be continuously. It's the people saying, I am watching you. I'm hearing you. It's so important for us to use our human right, our basic right to vote Mm. and know who we vote for. It's like when you said about education, the options are out there to learn. People, Google is your friend. Mm. Take advantage Mm. of this tool and educate ourselves. Your book educates us Mm. and it gives us resources to carry on into practice on a daily basis. Mm. And that's what we need to do, like you mentioned, walk the walk and talk the talk. Mm. So we're mindful and it works. So I want to say, you know, um, as a politician, can you talk to us just a little bit about being these one issue voters, right? Because we can see that maybe you conservative, So there are certain things that you may not vote for. And then you find that your rights are stripped away in some other way. So what would you say about really investigating your politicians? I would, you know, it's it's deeper than red and white and Democrat and Republican. It's uh, what are their values? Where are they coming from? And when you look at what's on the table, we, so many people, they vote and they think about themselves. Mm. We need to think about our community. We need to think about the long run. How is this going to affect the climate, for instance? Mm -hmm. How is this Mm -hmm. going to affect gun control? I mean, why do we have AR-15s and automatic weapons from Mm -hmm. 1994 to 2004 to 2004, automatic weapons were banned. And then it lapsed and nobody said, hey, you guys, we better put this back into effect. And now here we are again with AR-15s and all of these um, children and people being murdered, you know, lives taken away. It's ridiculous. So when we think about how is this going to affect and impact my community, my state, my world in the long run? not just right now, right here today. And I don't like this guy, so I'm voting for that guy or so-and-so she has a pretty face or no. We have to go deep and, and do the reading. It's so, so important because our lives really do depend on it. Well, I want to thank you so much for that. Um, I know that we're getting lots of comments uh, on on YouTube from this conversation. And I want to just thank the ARC who's commented about uh, there's a disadvantage with the English language where we place adjectives before nouns, queer person versus person who happens to be queer. Uh, we should acknowledge humanity first. And I completely agree with that. Um, in my book, I actually say people who are black, people who are brown, uh, because it does, there's a hierarchy um, as well. So thank you so much uh, from ARC, the American Redneck Company. That's who that uh, comment is from. And for others who are commenting, I know that we are almost out of time. And I just want to um, just say thank you to you for being the kind of politician who decides that you are going to continuously fight for justice on whatever level it is. Um, I'm so delighted that when I did come out to the vigil, and I would love to have these young people on my show, that these young people decided they wanted to make a difference. Our young people are out there doing their things, and they are watching us, and it takes them pressing on beyond the red tape. If we can see them doing it, then we all can do it as well. And what we do matters. And so I want to thank you very much for that. We only have a couple of more minutes left when we have to wrap up. Do you have any final comments that you would like um, to just offer to our audience as we're getting ready to end today's show? And I'd love for you to tell folks as well how they can get in touch with you. Um, 
in a, in a wrap up to this very important conversation that we've been having. And I know for my end, and I believe for you also, Reverend Dr. TLC, is that we could talk for hours. Yes. Um, but taking from this, I'm hoping that everyone who's listening will do the work, mm. do the work be mindful of one another, educate yourselves, because when we are aware of something, then the fear dissipates. And I was raised that where there is faith, there is no fear. Mm. Educate yeah. ourselves, trust the process, get to know somebody who doesn't look like you, who doesn't come from your culture. Cultures were meant to be shared immerse yourself in humanity mm. and i have hope that we will be all right yes yes, so yes. I, and how can they get in touch with you if they'd like to reach out to you if anybody wants to reach out to me my name is there if you could just go to um gina.duquesne at gmail.com you could go to the city of ashland oregon's uh website and find me uh counselor duquesne but please reach out. I'm here and I will always be here for the people. Thank um, you. Dr. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to really thank uh, our audience for listening in today and all the comments there. Um, uh, Elizabeth Fairchild, thank you so much for chiming in that you love to hear truth to power on this show. We so appreciate you. I do just want to let people know to go to sacredintelligence.com if you'd like to find out more about the things that I offer. And I just released my um, CD of meditations that are based on the book. You can go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you stream your music and get these meditations. Stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on this show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. On edge. Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. 
passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 